0: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is Jacob O'Kane, and I'm the student ministry director here at Allen Bible Church. And as you can tell, we have students involved with today's worship. Uh, And I just want to give a shout-out to the best students in the whole world uh, that go here at Allen Bible Church. And also, I just want to take this time just to celebrate the adult volunteers also that help out with our student ministry. Uh, Just with our middle school boys, we have Scott McCoy and Caleb West. And then we our middle school girls, we have Josie O'Kane and Jessica Holly, And then with our high school girls, we have Macy Daniel and Megan Davis. And so I want you guys to give it up for those uh, volunteers who make this uh, possible. And with that being said, I'm just going to turn the mic over to Jessica. And she's just got some few words and a few highlights she wants to share about student ministry.
1: It's been so exciting and encouraging getting to work with the students every week. I'm encouraged by just their dedication, how excited they are to come to youth group and play some games and be silly, but also to just spend time in the Word. With our middle school girls, the conversations we get to have with them, um, it's just so clear that God is working in their lives, and they're seeking the Lord in every aspect of seeing how they can share about the Lord at school with their friends and with people who don't know Him, and it's just been exciting to see the questions that they ask and I've been really blessed to see just how our girls come alongside one another they really are a family and I've gotten to see that throughout our entire youth group of they support and encourage one another showing up for each other and everything Um, it's been exciting how they've invited Josie and I to be a part of their lives and getting to go to different events for them but also I went to New York for six months and they were texting me asking me how I was doing when I was coming back here and they've just been a blessing to me. I've loved getting to know the other students going camping and getting to go explore climbing rocks with them but roller skating and really balling. It really is just such an amazing group of kids and their heart for the Lord is so clear and we're just I think I can speak on behalf of all the leaders that they really are a highlight of our week. We love going and working with them every Wednesday, and it's a blessing for us um, to have them in our lives.
0: Awesome. At this time, I'm just going to hand over the mic uh, to one of our students, Madison Folker, and she's going to read today's scripture. Thanks,
2: Jacob. Our scripture reading today is Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were they... Were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Well, thank you, uh, Madison. And before we dive into the word, I just wanna recognize that this past Wednesday was my dad's 53rd birthday. And in order to celebrate my dad's 53rd birthday, I texted as many people as possible to spam his phone to get them to text him happy birthday or call him to wish him a happy birthday. And so all throughout the day, he's just texting me, hey, whose number is this? Hey, who is this person? <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you doing? That was just my way to show him that I appreciate him and just uh, wanted to wish him a happy birthday in that kind of way. So after the service, if you would, in the lobby, he's back there. Uh, if you would just go... <laughs> I just wish him a happy belated birthday. It would just make him feel super special. Uh, anyway, so um, let me just pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you um, for this time. Uh, just get to be together and just uh, just celebrating what you've done in our uh, student ministry and what you continue to do in our student ministry. Uh, God, we just pray that just, as we dive into your Word, that you would just give us wisdom. And Lord, that we would just see... Uh, which you want us to see, and that we would just be able to apply your word into our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you don't know, um, my family has lived in Allen for a long time. So I have grandparents that live here. I have aunts and uncles that live here. My mom was born and raised here. I was actually born here as well. And so uh, I wasn't raised in Allen, but I was born here. And so one time when I was in the fifth or sixth grade, uh, it was my grandfather's birthday. And we call him Paw Paw. And for Paw Paw's birthday, uh, we decided to throw a surprise birthday party for him. And so it was me and my dad's job, in order for him to not know that there was a surprise birthday party going on, it was me and his job to take him out of the house and just to keep him occupied while uh, the, the party was being set up and while people from out of town were getting to the party. And so what we decided to do, with him not knowing that there was a surprise birthday party going on, we decided to go shopping. The reason why we went shopping is because I was playing basketball at the time, and I needed a new pair of basketball shoes uh, for the upcoming season. And so we go to the store, we go to Nike, and we look around, and we got tons of time to kill. And so we're just trying on just shoe after shoe after shoe. Just seeing, like, you know, like, ah, Nike, you know, it's okay, like, whatever, and we'll just move on to Reebok, move on to Reebok, trying every shoe, trying every shoe. (laughs) You know, don't find it at Reebok, we're still stalling in store after store, we go to Adidas, and then we don't find anything at Adidas. But then we go to Converse, and I guess it was time, because I found a pair of Dwayne Wade's Converse basketball shoes. I said, oh, okay, I like these, and my dad's like, yep, I like them, let's get them, and so we... We bought the shoes, and so that meant it was time to get Papa back to the house for his surprise birthday party. And so when we get to uh, back to the house, the party he's surprised, obviously, but the biggest surprise was when my mom and my two uncles wrote out these long letters of thank you to Papa and just appreciation and just love to Papa. And it was probably one of the most emotional nights of my life. Uh, I don't remember what was said. I'm getting a little emotional, I guess, just think about it. Um, but I don't remember what was said at all, like I said. Like, it just There was probably one dry eye in the whole room, and it was my dad. He's just not a very emotional guy at all. So, you know, and so I'm just giving a lot of outs to my dad today. But anyway, uh, so my mom and my two uncles, who are Papa's kids, wrote this long and just awesome letter to Papa, simply just to say thank you and just say I love you and I appreciate you. The party was special and it meant a lot to Papa, and it also meant a lot to my grandmother as well because when you love someone, you wanna show your love and your appreciation uh, to them because it just means so much more to the person that's receiving the love and appreciation when someone goes out of their way to say thank you and I love you. And my grandparents, they delighted even more, I bet, in their children that night and because they took the time to simply just say thank you and I love you. So in the case of my family, I saw that intentionality to simply just say thank you and I love you, it, 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 it goes deep and it rings true as well. It's the absolute perfect response to someone who has done so much for you in their life. And that's the case for pretty much a lot of parents and, and that's the case for Papa to his children as well. And so, in Luke 17, we are going to see that Jesus delights in our love and our appreciation for Him. In Luke 17, 11 through 19, it's going to show us that God loves to be appreciated by His creation. Just as we people love to hold on to the love and the appreciation and thankfulness that we receive from others. And so, let's turn to Luke 17, 11 through 19, and we'll just dive in. And while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. Our series on Luke is called On the Way with the Resolute One, and as we can see in the first part of verse 11, that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. What, we can, what we're saying when, he is, when we are on the way with the Resolute One, that Jesus is focused and determined to make his way to Jerusalem, where ultimately he will be crucified and where we will ultimately receive our forgiveness of our sins. But right now, as the last part of verse 11 says, he is between Samaria and Galilee. In verse 12, it says, As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And so we meet 10 men with the disease called leprosy. And leprosy is the embodiment of having no hope. It's a disease that slowly disfigures a person, and it eats away their cartilage, and it eats away their nerve endings as well. It affects their sight, their touch, their smell, um, and it also just affects their taste, and it just affects their whole body in general. And it makes them look bad, makes them look frightening as well, and it's incurable. But the even deeper pain that the 10 men with leprosy are experiencing right now is that they are now on the outside and that they have been alienated from community, and now they have to live within a community of other fellow uh, people with leprosy. And since these 10 men have been alienated from society, these men are despised, they are ignored, and they are shunned by everyone. And these 10 men now have to stand at a distance. As it said in verse 12, they have to stand at a distance from Jesus. And I remember three years ago when COVID shut everything down. And like a lot of you, that was probably the most distant I've ever felt from people. Um, but right before the, the COVID shutdown, I was, ten, I was attending the Cana Cook Institute, which is Kanakuk Camp's, uh, their eight-month Bible school, basically. And it takes place in Branson, Missouri. And simply, there are 70 people that are around my age, and what we're all doing together is in community with each other and studying God's Word together. And so I was at probably the height of height of communities at this time. But then we were given a 20-hour notice that we have to pack everything up and go home because COVID had hit um, this world. And I remember when I got back uh, from the Cantacook Institute, I was inside all the time. I spent a lot of time just scrolling on my phone, just bored to death. And it was so bad you couldn't even go outside for a little bit, where the park down the road put a wooden plank over the rim of a basketball hoop so no one would meet up together and play basketball together. And then obviously ESPN wasn't showing any more sports and so I watched reruns of Super Bowls, reruns of NBA Finals, reruns of the Stanley Cup Finals. And it was okay for a time, but after a while, I started to miss people. I started to miss my friends, and I started to miss my family even, and it was hard. And I'm sure it was hard for you as well. And imagine for yourself just how that little season of little to none human contact was for you. And now I just want you to imagine how it was for these 10 men with leprosy and how they must have felt being in quarantine all the time. They're thinking that since they've been alienated from society, that this is going to be their reality basically until they die. Is this really it for these men? Is there any hope for these men with leprosy? And one thing I haven't told you yet about leprosy is that in order to protect their fellow Jews or in order to protect anybody that didn't have leprosy, And anytime they got somewhat nearby anybody that didn't have leprosy, they would have to yell, unclean, 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 just to make these people aware that someone with leprosy is nearby. And a lot of times these people that didn't have leprosy would just run away. And again, they were despised, they were ignored, and these people would try to get as far away from these men with leprosy as possible. But what we see here in verse 12 is that they see Jesus at a distance. But what they yell at a distance isn't unclean, unclean, unclean. But we're going to pick up in verse 14, or nope, sorry, verse 13, and see what it is that they yell out to Jesus. And the ten men, they raise their voices, saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. And since they're at a distance, they're not supposed to get close to Jesus, as we've already covered. But all these men can do now is cry out to Jesus. That's their only thing that they can do. But what is it that they are crying out to Jesus for? Well, look again in verse 13. These men are crying out to Jesus for mercy. They're hoping that Jesus is touched by the condition that they're in, and they hope that he might see them, and they hope that he might help them as well. Well, our sin has alienated us from God, and it has put us in a state of hopelessness as well. Sin has also alienated us from godly community, as it did for these ten men with leprosy. The lepers cry out for mercy, and sin also causes us to cry out for mercy. And I want you to see that the ten men with leprosy crying out for mercy point us to the one that we are to go to in our time of suffering and even in our time of sin as well. So how does Jesus respond to the cries of mercy? And how does he view anyone that is in a hopeless state as well? Well, look at verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were clean. In verse 14, it says that Jesus saw the ten men with leprosy. Just as he saw the ten hopeless men slowly decaying and slowly dying of this disease, he also sees us in our suffering, and he also sees us in the condition that we are in. And this is the cry of every human heart Do you see me? Does anyone see me? Does anyone care? And Jesus does, in fact, see us as he sees these men. And Jesus, in fact, does care for us as we will see that he cares for these men. In 1991, the band Pearl Jam released a song called Jeremy. And it was off their debut album called Ten. And the, the song Jeremy, is, it's based on a true story on a, on a boy named Jeremy who attended Richardson High School in Richardson, Texas. And the song lyrics basically go that the, that the boy is grown up in a really broken home, and the boy has a father that doesn't show him any affection at all. And then the mother doesn't give her son, Jeremy, any attention at all. So he has no love from the people that he would expect to receive love and attention from. And then when he goes to school, again, he receives no attention from anyone as well, and so he acts up in school all the time just because he doesn't receive any of that attention. And so the boy Jeremy, he's desperately crying out for, mur- or just for somebody to, just to see him. He's crying out just for anyone just to give him any little bit of attention, but he never does receive it. And that's the hopelessness that the ten men with leprosy thought that they were heading for. They were just thinking, "I'm never going to receive any attention from anyone. I'm never going to re- receive any love from anyone." But as we saw in verse 14, Jesus saw these men. And he saw that even though that they were outcasts and slowly decaying, he still took the time to see them. And he doesn't avoid them, and he doesn't even shun them either. He sees them, and he moves towards them, and he gives them the attention that they are crying out for. And he does the same thing for us as well. And so Jesus now, in verse 14, he tells these lepers to go and show themselves to the priest. And the men now have to make a decision on whether that they're going to trust the words of Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't outright say, like, you're going to be healed. He just says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And so these men now have to trust the words of Jesus and head their way to the priest. And so they trusted the words of Jesus, as we see. And it says, as they were on their way to the priests, they were cleansed. And so what we see here is that when God spoke, we see that restoration happened for these men. And that's the same thing for us. When God speaks, restoration happens. And Leviticus 14 paints a simple but yet a very beautiful picture of when someone who was uh, healed um, from leprosy. The leper would go down to the priest in the Old Testament with two doves. And the priest would take the first dove and he would slaughter it. And then the blood of the dove would then drip into a bowl. And then he would take the living dove and then he would take a sprig of hyssop and then he would dip it into the bowl and then apply it onto the living dove and then release the living dove out into the community. This is to paint a picture That sinners who put their trust in Jesus are cleansed because Jesus died and Jesus' blood was shed and his blood has been sprinkled on us to to deliver us from the penalty of sin. It's an Old Testament picture of he who knew no sin became sin. He became sin in our place and he sees us and he feels compassion. And he moves towards us. And he doesn't move away from us, but he moves towards us in mercy. And this is how Jesus sees us in our sin and in our suffering. Their suffering ignited Jesus' compassion. And he moved to the ten men in mercy. And the ten lepers responded in faith. But how else does he want them to respond to the mercies that they have just received? In verse 15, it says, Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face, at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. In verse 15, we see that one man is a Samaritan. And, when he, and it says, when he saw that he had been healed, he then turned back to Jesus, praising God with a very loud voice. You see, the Samaritan was aware of grace and he knew that he did nothing to deserve this gift of being healed from leprosy. And what we see is that nine others, the nine other men with leprosy, enjoyed the perks of being healed and enjoyed the gift that Jesus had given them. But the Samaritan was the one that enjoyed the giver and that is Jesus. And the Samaritan recognized that Jesus is a person that has the power and also has the authority to heal his disease. And he knows that Jesus is someone who extends his grace and that the giver is way more important than the gift itself. And so the Samaritan realized that a foreigner was given grace and it doesn't make any sense at all. And so he's overwhelmed and he turns back to Jesus and he's praising with a very, very loud voice. And Charles Spurgeon says this about the Samaritan being healed. External religious exercises are easy enough and common enough, but the internal matter, the drawing out of the heart and thankful love, how scarce a thing it is. Nine obey rituals where only one praises the Lord. And we sometimes think that religious exercises are what pleases God, but when in fact that he is after our thankful hearts and our thankful hearts are what pleases God. God is worthy of worship and the Samaritan shows us a posture of thankfulness and a praising heart. And so the Samaritan, he worships Jesus because he had no right to be healed, just as we have no right to receive the same grace and the same mercy that the Samaritan received. And so how does Jesus respond to our praises? Or how does he even respond to our lack of praises? What does he think of you saying thanks? Or what does he think of our lack of thankfulness? In verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but the nine? Where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go, and your faith has made you well. Remember, Luke's gospel was written to an outsider, so he wants to ensure to the writer, or to the or, uh, gosh, the audience and everybody else that all outsiders are welcome into the kingdom of God. The Samaritans they had their own unique copy of the first five books of Scripture, as well as their own unique system of worship. Yet it is a Samaritan who was there before Jesus' feet in worship. And Jesus asked the Samaritan man, weren't there ten other or, or weren't there ten in total that were cleansed? And where are the other nine? And then Jesus just tells the man, the, the Samaritan man, and he says, Your faith has made you well, and stand up and go. So Jesus accepts the Samaritan, he accepts the outsider, and the Samaritan is now healed, and the Samaritan is now restored into community. And what we can also see is that Jesus has a heart for the outsider and he has a heart for the overlooked and his compassion uh, causes him to move towards us and not away from us and we get to receive his mercy. And so God doesn't turn away our appreciation and our thankfulness. In fact, God actually delights in our praises. His grace has been extended all the way to us and Jesus saw the condition that we were in And he asks us to trust in him. Through Jesus's death and his resurrection, we have been restored and we have been healed and we have been delivered from sin's penalty and we have been given eternal life. And now we know that he sees us in our suffering and that he cares for us and his mercy is always available. And he invites us to trust him and to cry out to him anytime that we are hurting and anytime that we feel alone. And he wants us to know that he loves us and he cares for us. And so let us look to the example of the Samaritan, the man who had no business at all of being healed. And let's show our hearts of thankfulness to Jesus for his mercies that are new every day. And just to conclude, I want you to know just like how special those notes or those uh, letters of thank you and love that my mom and my uncles wrote uh, to Papa were. And this is how special it was. If you go into... uh, their bedroom, on one side of the bed, where uh, is his side of the bed? You see, on hanging on the wall are three framed uh, letters of appreciation, and that night meant so much to him that when it came for my grandmother's birthday, they did the same thing. They wrote just letters of thank you and appreciation to her, and so on her side of the bed, you see three framed uh, letters of thank you and appreciation on her side of the bed. And so return thanks for unearned favor and return thanks for God's life-changing grace. Ten raised their voices in requests, yet one raised his voice in thanks. The nine lepers got it, but they didn't get it. The one leper got it and got it. And how do we know that he got it? Well, he said, thank you. And so let's pray. God, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy um, that is new every day. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus, um, who died on the cross for our sins. And Lord, you rose from the grave, God, conquering death. And Lord, our sin has been paid for on the cross. And Lord, we just thank you so much. We just thank you for the the example, of the Samaritan. I just pray that we'd all just have a heart and a posture of just thank you, and I love you too. I pray this in Jesus' name.